This is Fall on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network, available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for tuning in once again to a little thing we like to call the Ball on Blast Podcast. My name is Sheldon Alexander, and as always, I'm joined by my guy, Andrew Webster. Webby, what is good? We survived another trade deadline day. Hasn't it seemed like trade deadline day in the NBA has gotten way better over the last couple of years? Well, it became really deadline week because it overtook Super Bowl. That's right? true. With just all the rumors. Wasn't hard to do. Going on. Oh, that's also true. <laughs> that's very true. But what a crazy, crazy week, right? And the AD rumors, Porzingis trades, LeBron and KD talk, like so much going on. And then trade deadline day still lives up to the hype. Great day for the NBA. The NBA is the best. I don't know what arguments people still continue to try to make, but the NBA stays winning. No? Absolutely. And really, this deadline day was about, like, it had a theme. It was those top four, five teams in the East are loading up because each one of them thinks that they can make the NBA Finals. And that is incredible, right? Because there's so much talk about, and I was having this conversation before I left work, but we were talking about, um, does it matter because the Warriors are going to win the championship anyways? And it's like, all these teams in the East don't really care because the Eastern Conference Championship is like their NBA yeah, final. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know, right? Like getting to the finals would be their championship. And I know that might sound a little crazy, but you're literally talking about going up against a Golden State team with five All-Stars on it. Could any of those these teams in the East give them a go? I think so. But realistically, every nobody's like imagining that Golden State's not the favorite. You know what I mean? Right. Like in every series against the Warriors, every one of these East teams would be the underdog, no question about it. Exactly. It's like so, can you so take to... a game from the Warriors? Can you can you hold a home court against the Warriors? Exactly, right? That's gonna be the theme coming up for sure, but in the meantime, between time, the Eastern Conference took center stage on trade deadline day. As you mentioned, all of the teams at the top of the East making moves as they were jockeying for position. And what place to start? Then the Toronto Raptors. Grizzlies agreed to, agreed to trade Marcus Holt to the Raptors in exchange for Jonas Valanciunas, DeLon Wright, CJ Miles, a 2024 second round pick. Mr. Webster, first question, super easy. Who won this trade? Yeah, the Raptors won this trade. Uh, <laughs> if if anything, because I know exactly where like you have Kawhi Leonard guaranteed until the end of the year now. Mm-hmm. Like pull the trigger to make your team the best it can be to see if you can get there now. There's no point in worrying about what you what your roster is going to look like from you know your top four to twelve players. You know. Yeah. Like, just make that move, get the best player that you can, improve that from what you were getting from Jonas Valanciunas. And what I liked about this for the Raptors is that Marcus Hall is one player who fills in, like, three question marks that the Raptors kind of have. Okay. You know, in terms yeah. of three-point shooting, a big guy who can pass, and interior defense. I totally agree with you, and I, I think it's this one was super easy in terms of who won this trade, and I found it kind of weird because the reception from a lot of Raptor fans initially 
appeared to be, did the Raptors give up too much to get Marcus Gasol? To which, <laughs> once again, I'm left to question, are we watching the same NBA or are we just <laughs> well, watching Raptor games? I understand. I understand that DeLon Wright has a bright future ahead of him, especially he? if he can, well, especially if he can hone some of those raw skills that he has. But you know okay. what, man? You traded a your your backup center, yep. um, your backup point guard, mm-hmm. your backup like, backup point guard, the eleventh guy off your bench, and a mm-hmm. second round pick. You really, in the grand scheme of things, didn't give up a lot for Marcus Saul. Now, is Marcus Saul on the wrong age of thirty for sure? But you know what? In the Eastern Conference right now, heading down the stretch, it's a renter's market. Yeah. Get the get this guy to make your run, you know. What what what's going to happen tomorrow? Who who cares? Get the best player, the biggest name, the three time All Star on your team if you can do it. Especially if you don't have to trade any starting talent. So here's the thing: next year, the, the assumption is Gasol is going to pick up his uh, player option, right? He has a player option for next season, 2019-2020, which is for almost twenty six million dollars. Okay. I know on the surface people might be kind of hesitant about that, but you're buying that next year for this year of Kawhi Leonard. Because yeah. here's where the Raptors are. As soon as you trade DeMar DeRozan, this season becomes the most important thing because you have no chance in re-signing Kawhi Leonard unless you make a run this year. So Raptor fans, I found, were in a position where they were trying to have their cake and eat it too, right? Because all we heard was, oh, we need to improve the team. We need to improve the team. But don't give up Pascal or OG. We need to improve the team. We need to improve the team. But don't give up Kyle Lowry. And it's like, guys, like what? <laughs> right? Like, yeah. What do you think these trades are gonna? Yeah, they're not gonna materialize out of thin air here. Yeah. And then now you make the trade for Marcus Gasol, and people are still like, oh, did they give up too much? And you said it. You're talking about JV. Who? Cool. JV. I think is what he is. Right? Like he's good. He's a solid big guy. But he's your backup center. DeLon Wright, as you said, your backup backup guy. And DeLon Wright as well was going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. Right. Do we really think Masai Ujiri was going to re-sign him? Or did he already make the commitments to Norman Powell and Fred Van Fleet? Right? Like, the writing's on the wall here. And I think the contracts are what people are really forgetting about, right? DeLon Wright wasn't going to be a part of your team next year anyways. C.J. Miles was rotting at the end of your bench. Yeah, C.J. Miles had to go. Yeah, Right? And you're talking about a second-round pick. Like, Mark Gasol is legit, legit, legit. And is he still at the peak of his powers? No. But at the end of the day, he's still, you're adding what? Your starting center and arguably the second-best player on your team, right? Like, your second or third-best player on your team? I'd say third, yeah. But, I mean, my, my point is you're adding, like, a very key part to your organization, to your franchise this season, yeah. and giving up bench people, right? Like, I, this is what I don't understand, especially after last year's playoffs where everyone tried to talk themselves into, oh, can you play 11 guys? We're going to play our bench in the playoffs. And it's like, no, it comes down to your five, six best players against the other team's five, six best players. Maybe eight guys max. So if you can up your top-tier talent, you do that. And that's what Masai did. And again, this was a move that was more so to show Kawhi Leonard, hey, we're trying to to make a move this year. But also, for all these Raptors fans, they still kept Pascal. 
They still yeah. kept OG. So I don't get why any Raptor fan would be upset about this. Yeah, I can't see. Was there really a lot of blowback uh, in the streets of Toronto today? I mean, I just I can't... feel like a lot of people were questioning whether it was an upgrade and how much better the Raptors were. And I was watching uh, the jump today. And yeah. even Tracy McGrady didn't think that it was that much of an upgrade. I was going to say, Paul, it was, Pierce. Paul Pierce said that it was, you know, uh, a lateral move. And we know that Paul Pierce is just a Raptor hater, right? Like, we know right, that already. Right, but right. Windhorse was quick to point out, like, no, like, Marc Gasol is an upgrade over Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. I don't care how anyone wants to put it, how anyone wants to dissect it. Those two players are not equal, right? No, like, it's almost like his... Marc Gasol is the best case scenario for Jonas Valanciunas. Exactly. Right. And so now you're adding someone who's going to start on your team, someone who arguably is your second option in your offense after Kawhi, someone who's going to be uh, your second primary passer, probably going to be second on your team in assists in Marc Gasol. Like what are, I don't understand what people are talking about. I, I just question like, what are we talking about here? Yeah. And I, I wonder too, you know, Hey, Jonas Valanciunas, Cool. He was a great Toronto Raptor. He's a very nice guy, a great guy in the teammate, a great guy in the locker room. Sorry. Um, he was here for a very long time. Great with the media. It was all good, but it's winning time now, right? All you mentioned it last week, Webby, all the like niceties and all the, you know, like it's over fun in games. It's, it's, it's go time. Yeah. Right? This is, this is your opportunity to get to the NBA finals. That's it. Yeah. And again, once you gave up DeMar DeRozan, you already showed that you were all in if you're Masai Ujiri. So you had to make a move for this year and worry about next year, next year. That's, I mean, there's still spots they got to fill. I think there's like three roster spots to fill that are probably going to be a mixture of buyouts, and you'll probably see them sign Chris Boucher to you know, an official contract with the Raptors. Right. But overall, you're talking about a Raptors lineup right now, right, that features – your starters, I would assume Pascal stays in the starting lineup with Gasol and Kawhi Leonard, and that's a pretty good front line to yeah. join Danny Green and Kyle Lowry. And then your bench, you still have OG, Freddie, and Serge Ibaka coming off your bench with Patrick McCaw, which is a part that people kept forgetting because they're thinking, oh, how do you give up DeLon Wright? It's like they already got McCaw anticipating a move like this could happen. That's exactly why they picked him up, yeah. Because who was the dude? Oh, Lorenzo Brown. Remember those Lorenzo Brown minutes uh, yeah, early do. on in the year? <laughs> I do. Oh, man. It's just, it's just super interesting, but I can't wait to see what this team looks like. And because you're going to get a rejuvenated, a hyped up, a hungry Marc Gasol, right? Yeah, and this is something that I think that he's wanted um, over the last couple of years is – that that I'm sure he's licking like licking his chops because he's going from one of the slowest offenses in the NBA in Memphis to a fluid offensive system in Toronto. I mean, we might see things from Marcus Hall that we haven't seen in a couple of years. Well, you think about it, and even though he's 34, the guy is still putting up pretty much 16 and eight a night, career high five assists a game, or I guess 4.7. I'm rounding up. But essentially, after Jokic, he's the second best passing big guy in the entire NBA. Yeah. You add that to who brought up this stat. There's someone tweeted out this stat earlier on. Uh, Shane Young, 
right? He tweeted out, Mark Gasol passes 65.7 times per game, third most in the league behind Ben Simmons and Nikola Jokic. Going to be a great facilitator in Nick Nurse's offense. Now he has more shooters, another versatile guy in Siakam to work with, and a badass like Kawhi. I like this for Toronto. I totally agree. Yeah. Right? He fits perfectly in. You mentioned it, Webby. He's a guy that can step out, knock down the three. He's not doing the, like, five up fakes like JV does before he actually <laughs> shoots it. Or even Serge, who was just on, like, a 0 for 17 streak from three, something like that, right? Like, Ooh. it wasn't good. This is a major upgrade. Like, people out here, if you're trying to compare Jonas Valanciunas to Marc Gasol, just stop because Marcus Gasol is better than Jonas Valanciunas. So now this trade comes down to, are you okay with parting with DeLon Wright three months earlier than you were going to anyways, <laughs> right? And CJ Miles, who wasn't really playing anyways, or a second-round pick? What are we mad at? Uh, Good move for the Raps. Exactly. All um, of these pieces are second-tier, and you traded them up for, like you say, a, a premier big man, a three-time All-Star. You do exactly. that 10 out of 10 times. Do people realize that? Three-time All-Star, Defensive Player of the Year, and he might not be the same defensive player. Like, obviously, he won Defensive Player of the Year in 2013, right? But it's not like he was a super athletic Defensive Player of the Year. So even no. if he's a little bit older, it's not like, you know, he lost his hops or whatever. It's more about positioning and being a smart defender, right? Yeah, his game's always been below the rim. Below the rim, yes. Uh, is it the Steve Smith? What do they call it? Like the Steve Smith low five or something? They had it on <laughs> NBA TV. It's like below the rim plays of the week or whatever. Something like that. Um, but yeah, either way, I love this move for the Raptors. And I think it was a perfect mix of trying to make a move this year to improve your team while not giving up what people believe to be your young core going forward, which is something centered around Freddie and uh, Pascal and OG and Anobi. Right? Right. I don't know. I think it's a great move. Uh, one thing to point out, though, Webby, question for you. And this was from uh, Jamar Hins on Twitter, okay? Okay. He says, another bizarre legend of longtime Raptors last moment in a jersey, okay? So follow me here. Okay. If you remember, JV's last moment in a Raptors uniform was him getting fouled by Draymond and him hurting his thumb, right? Right, the hand. Which is why he was out for the longest time. Go back one step further. DeMar okay. DeRozan. Do you remember DeMar DeRozan's last moment in a Raptors uniform? Well, it would have been... Him in getting that, ejected. In right, against the Cavs. Against four, yeah. <laughs> Go back even one superstar or big-time player, franchise-type player before that. Chris Bosh. Chris, Chris Bosh's last time in a Raptors uniform was him getting fouled and having that facial injury that forced him to miss the end of the season. And remember, he didn't end up coming Shoot. back. That's remember right. That? Right? And then he ends up signing with Miami. He probably could have came back, and people were kind of wondering, like, why isn't he coming back? Whatever, but ends up leaving, going to Miami. And then, of course, we all know Vince went down. Oh, hold his leg. We don't even have to deep dive into that. We know that one already. But isn't that kind of weird? Jeez, you got to watch out if you get hurt. Let me tell you, (laughs) if you're Kyle Lowry and you tweak an ankle late in the season, let's uh, just keep your head on a swivel. That's very weird, though. So you mentioned your man's Kyle Lowry. There was a lot of rumors leading up to the deadline about Kyle Lowry. Are you happy that they didn't make the move and trade Kyle Lowry? Yeah, I mean, if you weren't going to get Conley back in that deal, 
I thought that deal of Lowry and JV for Conley and Gasol, that would have been, I still would have thought that that would be a win for the Raptors. I agree. Because because Kyle and Mike Conley are similar players. Conley might be a step or two better than Lowry, but the difference between Gasol and JV is so great that that would have been a big pickup. But, yeah, I'm, I'm happy they kept Kyle Lowry. It's good to hear that this is where he wanted to stay. He was happy he didn't get traded away. Um, and you know what? When the going gets tough here in the uh, in the playoffs and late in the regular season, it's good to have a guy like that, a guy who's been there before and who's uh, conditioning now to reach those different heights when it comes to uh, the postseason. Uh, he's got those. So I'm Here. glad that he stayed. Yeah, and here's the thing, too. Kyle Lowry knows that this Raptors team is really, really good, and they have finals aspirations even before this deal for Marc Gasol. So obviously he wants to stay and be a part of that. Imagine the thoughts of getting traded to Memphis or getting traded to the Jazz, right? Like, you can be as salty as you want that DeMar got traded, or you can be as salty as you want towards Masai, but at the end of the day, this is a great situation for Kyle Lowry, right? Being an all-star again, and so... You can see why he was kind of seemed, he kind of seemed kind of flustered by the trade talks. Yeah. Right? And hey, I get it. And I'm glad that he stayed because I, I get it. And I think you're going to get the chip on his shoulder, Kyle Lowry, again, just because he wants to show, no, I'm here. This is my team. I'm still here to lead. One thing, though, with getting Marc Gasol is because I was worried, I'm still worried about Kyle Lowry's back, right? Right. But I feel like Marc Gasol is going to help. Kyle Lowry would alleviate some of the playmaking that Kyle Lowry had to do, right? Because right. it, sometimes it felt all on Kyle Lowry's shoulders. But now you have Marc Gasol in your starting lineup. Obviously, we've seen Pascal develop a lot more of his game. He's able to handle the rock, maybe be more of a facilitator. But the creating of plays doesn't just fall on Kawhi Leonard and then what kind of mood Kyle Lowry's in that game. I get what you're saying. And then so now you've got a third look, you've got a third way of seeing the floor on offense. Yeah, just a third, another set of someone who's able to create plays. I think You know that's what it is, too? Deal. It's another adult. Yes, yes. Exactly. Right? It's a, it's a guy who's fought these wars before, a guy who's been deep in the playoffs before, mm-hmm. knows, how the, knows how this works. Like Just having another adult on the court, I think, is a really good thing for the Raptors as well. For sure. And one thing I like to bring up, too, is we talk a lot about how great JV and Serge have looked this year. And I know maybe that's part of the reason why, for some Raptors fans, it was tough to see JV go. Because he was playing so well this year. Yeah. But one thing that we've said from the beginning is that the success of a lot of the success that JV and Serge have had this year has been system-based. Nick Nurse has done such a great job in putting those two guys in positions to succeed, Right letting them dominate the paint as a sole big guy on the floor. And now, instead of being like, oh, no, well, JV was playing so well, why not think about what Nick Nurse and this system can do for Marc Gasol, right? Who's better than both Serge and JV. So what's he going to do in this offense where he's able to play a bit of the stretch five and handle the ball at the post and have the offense run through him at the top of the key. Like, I can't wait to see how that's going to play. Imagine him at the free throw line with, you know, Pascal and or Kawhi cutting to the basket, Danny oh, Green yeah. sitting in the corner spotting up. Like, 
this is going to be a great look for the Toronto Raptors. And again, the system that Nick Nurse put in, it's like Marcus Gasol is almost the ideal big guy that you would want in that place. So, I don't know. Great move. And also, one thing to bring up. This was something that was talked about from last season as well. Don't you remember? I remember yeah, us th- doing this podcast and us talking about potential Marcus Gasol deals last year, and it just didn't happen, right? Gasol's name has been linked to the Raptors for a couple of years now. Yeah, like you say. Yeah. It's been a while. I see Masai Jiri is now talking finally because I guess it took a while for the deal to go through. He's probably also trying to make some moves. Yeah. He's got some roster spots to fill. But if we move on overall from the Raptors, oh, you like that move, Webby? Yeah, we're in yeah. agreement, right? Yeah, we're giving that a thumbs up. Definite thumbs up. Another win for Masai Ujiri, who always seems to just make great moves. And to me, I was happy because he didn't stand pat. But also... I don't really know if he could have stood Pat because there's so much, as mentioned before, that went on in the Eastern Conference. The other top-tier teams, you had the Philadelphia 76ers making moves and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks adding Nikola Meritich. Webby, what did you think of that move? What do you think about uh, this trade? And let me just bring up the official trade. Meritich going to Milwaukee in exchange for Jason Smith, Stanley Johnson, and a couple of uh, second-round picks. What do you think of that trade in the addition to the Bucks? Yeah, again, the, there's going to be a through line through each one of these moves, and we can even talk about Boston as well. But okay. each one of these teams that made a move or stayed pat in the East mm-hmm. did so to strengthen where their team is strong already, I think. Like they each took a look at their roster and said, this is the move we need to make to make our team peak this is what we can do and you know short of getting anthony davis you know yeah yeah so definitely so the bucks look at their team they're Giannis surround Giannis with shooters like the 2009 magic with dwight howard yeah take your superstars surrounded by shooters so what did they do they went out in the market and they got the biggest guy who can shoot threes the the best in miritich six foot ten exactly what they're looking for the Raptors did the same thing. They needed, yeah. like we said, an adult, three-time All-Star, the biggest name there that was available, who's a big guy who can pass, you get Marcus Gasol. Yeah. The Sixers, they needed to get rid of some dead weight on their team uh, while adding you know, a, somebody who can knock down three-pointers on a consistent basis whose name isn't J.J. Redick. You know, you don't want that guy to, that you're relying on for outside shots at age 34 or 35 or whatever Redick is. For sure. And and I'll start with the Bucks first, Webby. I think I agree with you. What the Bucks did was great. And it's funny because Raptors fans probably just watched what the Milwaukee Bucks have to offer and seen what Brooke Lopez was doing for the Bucks. Now, if you plug out Brooke Lopez and in crunch time, you go with Miritich at that five with Giannis, Nasty. right? Like, it's disgusting, right? It's like taking what Brooke Lopez was doing, but adding a legit actual shooter in that spot. That I, listen, can be kind of scary. I think that Brooke Lopez has been really great. He has been. No, definitely. Definitely. But again, having in crunch time, being able to rely on a guy like Miritich is definitely a step up. And that's that's a dangerous... Now they're getting look, looking more dangerous. And what the Sixers did... Makes them look more dangerous. I mean, Tobias Harris is, guy's a baller. For sure. And again, we talked about how this week went in the NBA in terms of deadline week. And it almost seemed like you couldn't go to sleep because at 
2.23 a.m., <laughs> right? 2.23 a.m. on the East Coast. Woj, your mans, of course, dropping bombs. Sources, Clippers and Sixers agreed to trade Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, Mike Scott for Landry Shremet, Wilson Chandler, Mike Muscala, 2020 first rounder, and a 2021 unprotected first via Miami, and two second rounders. So basically, to me, I know everyone was focused on Tobias Harris and what Tobias Harris adds to that starting lineup because your Sixers, Webby, that's a legit, legit starting lineup now when you're talking about oh, Ben yeah. Simmons, uh, Tobias, J.J. Redick, um, Embiid, and Jimmy Butler, right? That's a legit starting five that matches up with legitimately any other starting five in the NBA, right? Not mad at that. But I think the even bigger deal that was done in this deal, or overall just what the Sixers did at the deadline, they improved their depth a lot. They made another move to get Jonathan Simmons. Also, Boban can give you some minutes, and Mike Scott's a solid pickup, no? So I think Jonathan Simmons has about six-man-of-the-year potential. If he can stay healthy, like, and in the playoffs, he could be a really dangerous uh, uh, tool that the Sixers use. I like Jonathan Simmons a lot. He's really talented. It was a really, really good pickup by the Sixers. And again, I think Markel Fultz, we obviously know the t- like the tough times it's been for Markel Fultz, and he probably needed the change of scenery. And for for the Sixers to turn a really tough situation that Markel Fultz became into a good, solid bench player, another wing that they really needed in terms of just adding depth, because that last game I watched with the Raptors and Sixers, my biggest takeaway was that there is no depth at all on that Sixers team. No. Even in getting Tobias Harris, like I know Tobias Harris is going to be a good, good player for you guys, but the depth that overall that they were able to add Marco Fultz wasn't in the lineup. Who knew no. if he came back what he would bring? But you know Jonathan Simmons is going to be solid for them. As mentioned, Boban is a solid big because Embiid can't be playing 40-plus minutes no. No, throughout he can't. The, this whole regular season. No? Exactly. Well, and he, not only that, but, like, the Tobias Harris thing is is really interesting. How do you see that working out with Tobias Harris uh, – Another player, he doesn't need the ball in his hands, but at the same time, just how do you see it fitting with Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler and see, Ben Simmons and then JoJo? The game, the, his game is pretty similar to Jimmy Butler, maybe with a little bit better three-point shooting over the last couple of years. But yep. here's what I like about Tobias Harris is that he seems like a really laid-back guy. Mm-hmm. He's yep. not one of these, like... Uh, big personalities who commands the spotlight. Like this seems like a guy, a professional, a guy who gets down and does his business, doesn't let the outside things, uh, you know, distract him too much. He's got his buddy Boban. I like, I like that he and Boban have that nice bromance going on, and so I'm sure. glad. That, I'm glad that his buddy is there as well. Um, but personality-wise, I think it's going to be good for for people who might not be as like deep dive into the Sixers as as you are, Webby, I know exactly what you mean because you think of Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is fairly loud on Twitter, on social media. He's yeah. always going to be in the headlines for doing something wild and goofy or whatever, right? Ben Simmons is dating a Kardashian or a Jenner or whatever. Right? That's what I'm talking. Yeah, exactly. Ben Simmons has his own stuff going on. Jimmy Butler, 
his resume, especially this season, has been well documented. Speaks for itself. Speaks for itself. Exactly. Tobias Harris, as you mentioned, is just him and Boban having a lot of fun. But also, I'm a huge fan of the Dan Lebetard show, and every week they have Stan Van Gundy on. And just last week, Stan Van Gundy was on talking about how one of his favorite players he coached was Tobias Harris and how tough it was to trade him in the Blake Griffin deal, but that they still remain friends. And then Tobias Harris came on, and you know what they were talking about? They were talking about how Stan Van Gundy's wife still follows Tobias Harris like on Twitter or yeah. whatever, and she was telling him about, oh, he put out a bunch of books <laughs> that he was reading or that were on his list to read, and he was like, sharing it with his followers <laughs> like that is just the anti everything else going on with the Sixers off the court right exactly it's it's just such a cool and a solid pickup but also talk about Elton Brand Elton Brand I saw this on Twitter Elton Brand has been the Sixers GM for 140 days that's just about four and a half months he's already acquired Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris like just in 2015, 2016, Elton Brand was still playing in the NBA. How Dude, has he pulled this off already? This is a team that didn't have a general manager for like eight months or six yeah. months. They didn't even have anybody there. But, hey, Elton Brand is making some bold moves, man. He's going for it. Well, you'll appreciate this. The Sixers starting lineup on February 8th, 2017. Oh, okay. oh yeah, hit me. Point guard, TJ McConnell. My Shooting boy. Shooting guard, Gerald Henderson. Small oh, yeah. forward, Robert Covington. Power oh. forward, Ersan Ilyasova. <laughs> Center, Jalil Okafor. So that was the first time Ersan Ilyasova was on our team. He <laughs> and he ends up leaving and then coming back. Well, one year, well, 2019, February 18, 2019. Again, potential starting lineup. Ben Simmons, J.J. Redick, Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, Joel Embiid. Wow. That's uh, which one, makeover, right? Which one would you rather have? It's like a before and after picture on those weight loss commercials. Yes, those like fit tummy tea on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, so good. But you mentioned the top teams in the East, and the Boston Celtics didn't make a move, but maybe that is the best move in the sense that the best news they got was Anthony Davis wasn't traded. <laughs> so yeah, that exactly. are in the sweepstakes <laughs> this offseason, right? Seriously. And, like, what move were they going to make other than getting AD? They honestly, of all the four teams, got the best news of the trade deadline, I think. So if we talk about the teams that did make a move in the East, who do you think did the best job at the deadline? Not necessarily deadline day, but let's just say roster moves this past week. Who who are you giving the nod to? Mm. Is it the Raptors getting Marc Gasol? Is it Miritich going to the Bucks, Or is it the Sixers moves, as we just mentioned, adding Tobias Harris, Jonathan Simmons, Boban, and Mike Scott? Don't so sleep on Mike Scott, by the way. I don't think it's the Sixers because I think that the draft picks they gave up uh, are a little – when compared to what the Bucks and the Raptors gave up to get their um, respective trade targets, okay. uh, what was more than they gave up, right? So um, – and then if you look at it, if you break it down then to Miritich or Gasol, listen, Gasol's made three All-Star games. Okay. So I think the Raptors – I think the Raptors won – the trade deadline week. But really, I'd say the winner of all the top teams in the East is Boston. Interesting. 
Very interesting. Because, honestly, Anthony Davis is the ultimate prize, and they've kept themselves in it. And with what happened with Anthony Davis, it's, it's not looking like he's going to go to L.A. Do you want to talk a little bit about Anthony Davis here? Like, let, cause We probably reports, should. Yeah, so there was there's reports that Stephen A. Smith said, I was told eventually Pelicans GM Dell Demps would have been fired had he made the Anthony Davis trade. Okay, that's from Steve Day Smith. Another reporter says, have been hearing that some within the Pels organization want an AD trade now, partly to get the PR mess slash distraction out of the way. But owner Gail Benson and VP Mickey Loomis, who are more focused on the Saints, are unfazed by the noise. (laughs) (laughs) So the Pelicans don't trade Anthony Davis. Woj said that Anthony Davis, they will allow him to play. Because, obviously, he's healthy. But what do you make of the Pels? Do you like, did, did they make the right move by not trading Anthony Davis? Uh, well, I like that they were so petty uh, <laughs> to, to work the Lakers like they did. <laughs> like, what they did the, to the Lakers over the last week has been unbelievable and unprecedented. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Now, did the Pelicans make the right move? Time will tell. You know, it'll see. It'll really depend on what they can get back for him uh, come July first, because I'm sure Boston won't be the only team that's going to offer them a whole crapload of uh, assets to get AD off their hand. But I do think that what Boston can offer them in July is going to be more than what the Lakers can. See, I don't know. I here's my thing with the Pel's. I think the Pelicans messed this up. And the reason I think they messed this up is because they went to they went too far to a level of petty. And are you going to get a better deal than Lonzo, Kuzma, Ingram, whatever vets between whatever combination of Rondo, uh, Stevenson, Listen. whatever were available, plus two first round picks? Were you really going to? Are you ever going to get a better deal than that? You are even <laughs> when you include the Celtics. Because remember, if you're Danny Ainge, okay, and Kyrie Irving. Well, it's going to be chicken and the egg. Kyrie Irving, who knows what he's going to do? You don't know what he's going to do. But Anthony Davis is telling you he's not re-signing there. He's going to the Lakers. You're going to put Jason Tatum in a deal to get Anthony Davis, not knowing if he's going to stay beyond the year or if you have Kyrie Irving? That doesn't make any sense to me. Why would Danny Ainge do that? Why would you give up? But uh, but then it's... If you're the Pelicans, why would you do it the other way? What's the best piece you're getting back? If I'm not you're the mad Lake- at those three players, man. What Kuzma, Lonzo, and Ingram? No, and come on, first, man. And two first round picks. But what first of all, well, first of all, it was never going to happen. <laughs> That's the thing. That's like, here's the like. We can argue about this. Little room. The, the truth is that, that this deal was never. It's the weirdest thing. It's so the craziest who, who messed thing. up more, the Pels or Team Rich Paul in Clutch Sports and LeBron? Yeah, I, I'm going to say LeBron took the L on this one. Okay. I really they do. They played their hand wrong. Yeah. I, I mean, you just look at what happened that night in Indiana uh, after all this kind of came out and just the body language of the players. And now we've got your boy LeVar Ball hitting all the <laughs> – I mean, this is just everything coalesced. For the, for the Lakers in such a bad way at the worst time. 
that that now we were talking about them being uh you know maybe a six seed in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if they get there. I don't know if they're they're an eight seed with when you see what the Kings did. I mean, the Kings had a better draft deadline or a trade deadline day than the Lakers did. Well, the Lakers have had such a terrible week in the sense that, (laughs) first off, the Anthony Davis stuff has just been crazy, right? The rumors back and forth, them trying to manipulate the media storylines to get certain angles out there, trying to force a hand of the Pelicans in trading Anthony Davis. That didn't work. But also, not only do you not have Anthony Davis, but your whole roster and your whole locker room turned into a complete and utter gong show. Yeah. We talked last week about Michael Beasley, who's now been traded after calling Luke Walton repeatedly bro, (laughs) which is incredible on its own. But also, all this trade talk, you had that game where LeBron finally comes back. He plays in Indy. Indiana obviously has struggled since Oladipo went down, but somehow they hand LeBron James's Lakers the worst loss in LeBron James's career, a 42-point loss. They had the weird picture of the bench where LeBron's sitting at one end and everyone else is at the other end of the bench, right? You had these weird comments coming out of the locker room. After they lose this crazy game by 42 points, what does LeBron James do? Well, he goes to Twitter and he posts a picture of the all-time scoring leaders list with the <laughs> caption congratulating himself about becoming the fifth player ever to reach 32,000 points. Like, just what a complete gong show to the point where now, as you said, LeVar Ball's back in our lives. Oh, man. LeVar Ball talking about how Lonzo is better than arguing with Shannon Sharp about Lonzo Ball being better than LeBron. Like what? While trying so, to sell, hold on. While also trying to sell <laughs> big baller brand water, <laughs> not being sold at Kmart, I'm sure. Yeah, no. <laughs> not only selling the water, but also creating the Phoenix Suns as like the landing spot for all of. It. Forget the Phoenix Suns; they should be called the Lavar Suns because that's where he wants Lamelo and Jello and all of them. They he wants them all to go to Phoenix and play together. It was so funny, and I wonder if we're finally at a point where people just aren't taking LeVar Ball serious. Like, they're accepting it for what it is, right? Like, and it's just a joke. Like, he was talking about <laughs> yeah. how uh, DeAndre Ayton, like, you should pair DeAndre Ayton and uh, Booker with Lonzo, but then also LaMelo and Jello. And I was like, wait a second, <laughs> how's Jello still in the equation? <laughs> like, where's that guy at? Like, what are we talking about, LeVar? I, I thought he was still in a holding cell in China. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on, but it just shows how crazy this whole thing's been for the Lakers. And LeBron was grasping at straws, trying to make this, trying to just create enough noise that maybe something would happen to the point where you brought up um, Harrison Barnes getting dealt, right? Harrison Barnes gets dealt, and what happens? LeBron James decides that he's going to go and make this huge um, post on Instagram where Harrison Barnes got traded middle during the middle of the game. Like, he's on the court while he gets traded. Yeah. And they have to sub him out in the middle of the game. So, LeBron posts a video online with the caption that reads, So, let me guess. This is cool because they had to do what's best for the franchise, right? Traded this man while he was literally playing in the game and had zero idea. I'm not knocking who traded him because it's a business and you have to do what you feel what's best, but... I just want this narrative to start to get a real 
start to get real and change and not when a player wants to be traded or leaves a franchise that he's selfish slash ungrateful. But when they trade you release wave cut, etc., etc., it's best for them. I'm okay with both truly am just call a spade a spade. <laughs> is that sour grapes? Or is, is he... that a little sour grapes? Maybe. I think it's big sour grapes. No. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I do too. LeBron has been used to getting his way in every situation, especially when you go back to last year at the trade deadline where the Cavs flipped over their whole entire team <laughs> pretty much to get LeBron a new team, and it worked. They still got to the finals. And instead this year, I mean, they got Reggie Bullock. Who else did they get? Who's uh, your boy they got? Oh, Mike Muscala and his, and his crazy racist dad, Bob. Hold on. What's the story here with Mike oh, Muscala's man. dad? Yeah, so Mike Muscala is from his family's from Minnesota, and okay. his dad had this like um, uh, Timberwolves fan account. Okay, and I guess wasn't a big fan of Jimmy Butler or <laughs> okay. the or the Chicago Bulls. Okay, a lot so, of oh, I see it here now. Oh wow, a lot of okay. a lot of coded language in there. Some not so coded language. But uh, this was a situation that, like, Mike Muscala had to, like, release a statement apologizing on his dad's behalf. But now, I guess, with Muscala on the Lakers, now you've got LeVar and Bob Muscala. <laughs> so you've got the crazy dad duo. Hey, they're already in L.A. I feel like this. there's a reality show there, or maybe he can oh. guest star on Ball on the Family. There you go. A very special episode, you know? <laughs> maybe he'll be able to learn from his mistakes in the past, and, you know, his eyes will be opened up for tolerance. <laughs> wow. So crazy. But again, the NBA is incredible, right? Because so much going on on the court, but then the off-the-court stuff. Have we even mentioned anything on the court yet in this podcast? It's all been just like either trades, deals, or behind-the-scenes stuff that's going on. I mean, the deadline passes and Lonzo Ball posts to Instagram a video of him in his room or whatever, and he's playing bad boy for life. We ain't <laughs> going nowhere. We ain't we going nowhere. And it's just like, when we does it stop in the NBA? It doesn't, right? Listen, we haven't even mentioned James Harden, who is averaging like – 45 points a game <laughs> over the last two weeks. It's like the guy is still on fire and it's I mean, overshadowed. It's overshadowed by everything happening behind the scenes. It's crazy. So good. So good. I mean, the NBA, it, we finished a podcast last week and then the next day Porzingis got traded, which seems Oh, we like, haven't even talked about the Porzingis thing. Right? Like that last week was such a major, major deal and it came out of nowhere because Woj drops it. And then, well, he dropped that, you know, there were teams interested in trading for Kristaps that Kristaps no, no, no. made available. Not even that. Yeah, not even that. It was that Porzingis didn't like the direction and has made himself available. And then, like, 15 minutes later, he got traded. <laughs> As only the Knicks can, right? Uh, what do you make of that Kristaps deal? As that's probably the biggest deal of the deadline, no? Well, it's probably the reason that Kevin Durant was such in a pissy mood the other night. Because <laughs> you don't do that move unless you've got some kind of assurance that you're opening up that cap space for a reason. Just some kind of idea, right? 
And if you're Kevin Durant, here's the thing. So should we get into the Kevin Durant stuff first? Or I'll, I'll tee it up by saying this, okay? If you're Kevin Durant, you could end this noise, right? The trade for Porzingis happens. Everyone assumes that it's because there's got to be some wink-wink, nudge-nudge, behind-the-scenes deal between Kevin Durant and or, and or some other star to have them go to New York next year. Or else, why do you give up Porzingis, who's under team control, on his rookie deal? Like, it doesn't make sense, right? But instead of just coming out and saying something like, I'm not talking about this, or this is ridiculous, or I have nothing to do with that. Instead, Kevin Durant doesn't speak to the media for, what, eight days? Yeah. Then when he does speak to the media, we have this exchange. Reporter, we've noticed you haven't talked in a while. Is it anything to do with something on your mind? Kevin Durant, quote, why do you care? I feel like talking. I didn't feel like talking the last couple of days. Nah, I just didn't feel like it. Reporter, anything to do with the conversation about free agency? Durant, quote, that's a conversation you're going to have. I don't think about that stuff. That's your job. Close quote. Okay. Reporter, you've been around the noise for so long. <laughs> Is it bothering you more this year? Is it louder this year? Kevin Durant, quote, it's unnecessary. You got a dude, Ethan Strauss, who comes in here and gives his whole opinion on stuff and make it seem like it's coming from me. He walk around here, don't talk to nobody, just walk in here, survey, and write something like that. Now y'all pile it on me because I don't want to talk to y'all about that. I have nothing to do with the Knicks. I don't know who traded Kristaps Porzingis. That got nothing to do with me. I'm trying to play basketball. Y'all come in here every day, ask me about free agency, Ask my teammates, my coaches, rile up the fans about it. Let us play basketball. That's all I'm saying. Now, when I don't want to talk to y'all, it's a problem with me. Come on, man. Grow up. Grow up. Yeah, you. Grow up. Come on, bro. I got... First off, sidebar. You know I'm always here for a bro. Right? <laughs> yeah. As stated before on this podcast, I enjoy nothing more than the sarcastic bro. <laughs> right? Continuing here, though. I come in here and go to work every day. I cause no problems. I play the right way. Well, I try to play the right way. I try to be the best player I can be every possession. What's the problem? What am I doing to y'all? Reporter, you weren't talking to the media. Durant, so? Who are you? <laughs> Why do I got to talk to you? Tell me, is that going to help me do my job better? Nah, I didn't feel like talking. Reporter, questions about the fans wondering why he's not talking. Durant. I just don't trust none of y'all. Every time I say something, it gets twisted up and thrown out in so many publications trying to tear me down with my words that I say. So when I don't say anything, it's a problem. I just want to play ball. I want to go to the gym and go home. That's all. Is that a problem? All right, then. Mr. Andrew Webster. Whoa. Salty Kevin Durant is back. What do you make of this whole situation by a man's KD? Uh well, I, I don't know how he's going to handle New York if he can't handle Golden State. Like, if he can't handle these questions, he should have never left Oklahoma City. You know? Part, it doesn't make sense, right? You, you have to know that as an NBA player, as a professional, you can't just play ball, go to the gym, and go home. That's all. That's not how it works, right? The media plays a big role in hyping up storylines, making the fans interested in the games, I know that 
post-game talking might not be a thing that people are interested in. Um, Ryan Rossillo today brought up a great point. Like, when was the last time you read a game recap, right? Like, yeah. I understand. Those things don't matter. I understand how that can be annoying. But Kevin Durant can't play innocent in this situation. No, right? it's almost like he's doing this on purpose because he knows it's going to get some media traction. Like, you can't tell – like. You can't tell me that he's not doing this on purpose. Interesting. Like, he's he knows the reaction that he's going to get every time he does something like this. If he really didn't, he could just still not say anything. But he also gets goaded into it. He loves it. He loves it. The whole thing, too, about the Knicks that I don't understand. When that trade happens and the rumors are out there and the front page of the New York Post says, living on a prayer, and it's a picture of... Kyrie, KD, and Zion in Knicks jerseys. Right? Yeah. All that's going down. Why would you avoid talking to the media? All you have to say is, I don't know anything about that. Guys, you know I'm not going to talk about free agency. I'm focused on this season. And that's it. Everyone would move on. It's not a story. But when you avoid the media right as that's happening, and then you add that to, I don't know, the fact that only months removed from Draymond Green yelling at you on the bench, calling you a bitch, and saying that you have one foot out the door anyways and you're not fully committed to the team. <laughs> you can't then turn around and blame the media and be like, why are you guys asking me about yeah, this? Yeah, exactly. It, it doesn't work. Plus, add in the history of his burner accounts and all that stuff. It's just like, dude. He's almost got an obsession with it, you know? I just don't get how LeBron can be out here manipulating the media in so many different ways. And we might like, we might laugh at LeBron at certain points off looking like this really no. ever. No, no, he never like, if anything, he comes off as a little too polished or just so salty, like so mad. Like, why are you so mad? You can't be this upset. Although the one thing that I found very interesting from that Ethan Strauss article was the fact that KD thought when he came to the Warriors and they beat LeBron in the finals, he thought everyone was going to make him the best player in the world and everyone was going to think that he's better than LeBron. And that didn't happen. And so <laughs> we're kind of at this point where we're at now where, well, why would he go to the Knicks? Well, because he didn't get the validation he thought he was going to get right. when he came to the Warriors, right? Like, this Knicks thing just makes too much sense. No? Especially if he can get another Max guy in there. And he might know a couple because there's a lot available. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot available. Super interesting. Um, a lot available for the, the free agency, but a lot of the guys that might be available in free agency happen to be picked by LeBron James tonight in the All-Star Draft. I noticed that. Did you did you get a chance to catch any of it, Webby? I just saw the results. I just saw the results. I but I heard there there were lots of jokes. It was pretty funny. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. I was gonna say I, I sounded like Giannis was really uh, holding his own. You know, for a guy whose English isn't his first language, he's got a pretty good handle on a sense of humor. It was really entertaining. It was fun. They had fun with it. They were joking around. LeBron did exactly what we talked about last week in terms of just being the biggest troll ever. And he made sure to draft KD. He drafted Kyrie. He drafted Anthony Davis. He drafted Clay Thompson. Like, all the free agents that have some, in one way or another, been linked to LeBron <laughs> this year or in the offseason, 
LeBron made sure to draft them all. It was really funny. Then they made a trade midway yeah, through. Yeah, no, I like the trade. Russ, so right? Russ and Embiid are on the same team? <laughs> right. Like, they had a lot of fun with it. I'm glad that it was televised and, you know, they kind of did the interview throughout with Ernie and, and Shaq and the TNT guys. Like, I thought that was really fun. It's just another example of the personality that the NBA players get to show that make their league what it is. Why LeBron James is LeBron James. As I'm watching the Celtics lose on their home court to the Lakers right now. Lakers are all jumping oh. up and down. Looks like there was a buzzer beater or a game winner for the Lakers in Boston right now. So oh, yeah. The Lakers season Rondo. Is Rondo. Oh, Rondo. <laughs> Craziness. But so much going on, Webby. Just all-star game coming up. Trade deadline going on. It's all happening. Everything is happening. Great oh, stuff. I- the NBA trade deadline. I guess the one last question I want to ask you, Webby, just to wrap up what's gone on trade deadline wise, is how do you rank the teams now in the Eastern Conference? I don't think that there's change. Ah. I th- I think that it's ooh, well. I don't think that there's much change from our last ranking, where I have um, Toronto, Milwaukee, Boston, Philly. Okay. Interesting. But I think that there's a really good chance of Philly being able to leapfrog uh, Boston and Milwaukee by the time the season's over, depending on how well Tobias Harris fits in. Yeah, the second round of the playoffs in the Eastern Conference is going to be, oh, man. It's going to be a problem. And home court's going to matter so, so much. It's going to be incredible. Um, Webby, normally we close out the podcast by doing a little something called Ask on Blast, where we talk or recommend something in music or something in pop culture. One thing I'm going to recommend to you. Okay. And I didn't even send this in the email. I hope but, it's what you're going to talk about because I, you go first and then I'll go. Okay. I don't think you know where I'm going with this at all. But uh, one of our buddies, former coworker Matt Lowe, got me. Yes. He told me to check out the Avicii doc on Netflix. Oh. And I actually was super interested in it. Like, I, I found it really, really interesting. And, and he's the guy I'm, who passed away, right? Yes. Yes. Right. But this is a documentary. Like, he's heavily in the doc. So they were making this doc about him and the end of his career. So he's in it. And so is all the people around him. It just turns out that he happened to pass away. Huh. Right? So, like, that kind of made the story a little – I mean, I don't want to give away the doc. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's a really interesting doc talking about like a music fan will really appreciate the intricacies of how he works and how he put together the music, but also turns into a really like kind of sad story towards huh. the end of his career. Yeah. Good watch. Highly recommended. I think it's called like the lost stories. Yeah. I see it on Netflix all the time. I will check it out for Good sure. Watch. Highly recommended. Highly recommended. What's, what's now, it? well, it was actually recommended by you to oh. me, indirectly, and it's also going to lead in to a nice little plug here. Okay. But I watched the first episode of uh, the new challenge season today. Oh, okay. I'm back in. I'm back Hold in. Hold on a second. I love here how I'm the one that does a podcast about the challenge, and I didn't even make that my recommendation this week, which is the easy plug to make <laughs> on one podcast. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got your back, brother. I am, yes, I am, Webby. I am back in. It's got pretty much. So, there's a couple of things that I love. All right, okay. about okay. about the challenge and 
the nuances, and it's like an old friend that you haven't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just they're they're doing the same. They're doing really great, and so I guess now you're way more familiar with this. With this new season of the challenge, they got the challenge vets. Yep. The guys we know, and then they have all of these like reality show people. So yep. people from not just like MTV reality shows, but from Big Brother and uh, my dude from The Bachelorette and these all British the these British ones, like British reality shows, they're the guys they're all showing up and let me tell you, okay, already. I'm glad to see Cara Maria's back. Glad yep. to see Cara Maria is still having sex with her <laughs> with her teammates. It's yeah. like how many has she gone through now? She must be on. She was like, I, she was like, um, I love this guy, Polly. I was like, I've never heard of this guy. He must be new. Oh yeah. And she she's like the Black Widow. He's gonna go crazy like uh, Abrams did. Um, I will say she does work. She puts in work between her and like bananas. They've been there forever, and they've equally been putting in work on that show, and it's just consistent. She's a consistent, consistently just putting in work. She's a finely tuned athlete, but she is crazier than a shithouse rat, as my dad would say. (laughs) Uh, I'm very happy that, that, uh, of course, fan favorite Leroy. Uh, Roy Lee Lee is back. He's great. And Nani. Do you know how much I love Nani? (laughs) Nani Yo, is incredible. And this, Webby, this me, makes me so happy that you're back in on the I'm challenge. back. This I'm back. So Dude, I'm so, I was so happy to see Nani. And then the best part about the first episode was the the guy from The Bachelorette. Like, yes. thought he was getting in with Nani. And he was like, why? Let's like, it's like he confronted her about, like, he's like, bro, do you know where you are? Like, do you have, have you seen this show CT, before? CT had the line. CT was like, who does this guy think he is? He thought he was getting a rose or something? Does <laughs> Yo. He who he's dealing with? He's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Please, man. Oh, so, so uh, I'm very excited. And, of course, the best part of every season is that this season on, uh, and it didn't disappoint. Like, it looks like definitely something's going to go down. So I didn't know who this other English dude was who I guess was dating Cara Maria on another season. So it looks like there's going to be some drama there. I can't wait, man. They've been beefing since last season, and it's just incredible. The challenge is great. For people who don't know what this is, MTV The Challenge was something that Bill Simmons back in the day coined as America's fifth major North American sport. I think he put it fourth. I think he put it ahead of hockey. Ahead of the NHL? Yes, probably. That would seem like an American thing to do for sure. (laughs) But The Challenge is great. It's basically Survivor on steroids in terms of... You know, you're living together in a house. You're you're basically it's part Survivor, part Real World, part Big Brother, part like <laughs> part Jersey alcohol Shore. poisoning. <laughs> yeah, it's just a great time. I love the challenge, and of course, I love the challenge so much that we do a podcast called the You Killed It Podcast with my guy John Chidley Hill. So, yeah, did that podcast actually this morning. Uh, so much fun. I'm Dude, so hyped about the challenge. Few things I enjoy more on TV than the first episode of the challenge. Oh, Always gets me so hyped. good. So my whole thing with the challenge is that I'll watch the whole season and then I'll never watch who actually wins. 
But oh, now, sure. I, now I guess you have to because there's always the big twist at the end. Again, big yeah. spoiler for me was that I guess Ashley and Hunter made it to the finals last time, and Ashley uh, Johnny the money. Johnny Bananas did. Oh, yeah. So good. The show is so good. Webby, I appreciate the plug. You're better at producing the podcast than I am. <laughs> You're better at producing my other podcast than I am as well. Right. I just want to know. I just I want to know who you're who was a guest this morning. Do you guys have a guest? Uh, It was me and uh, no guests. It was just me and John. Um, We're actually coming up. I think this was our 98th episode. Wow. So we're coming up on 100 episodes. And you guys are like the premier challenge podcast, too. I I wouldn't go that far. But I mean, we do. You guys you guys get the guests. We do you've all had, we've had, you've had Wes. On. We've had we've had different people on. We've had Jemmy on. Yes, Wes my on. girl. We had uh Marie on. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, Marie, we've had some people on. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Marie um, was on a couple of times, no? Oh yeah. Marie's one of Marie's she's a friend of the show. Definite that, friend of the show for nice. sure. Nice. That's sick. So definitely listen to uh You Killed a podcast. Definitely. Listen to the You Killed It podcast. Listen to the Ball on Blast podcast. Listen to the Wrap It Up podcast. We got you covered. Podcasts Yo, everywhere. Wrap It Up podcast tonight was put on hiatus because of the trade deadline, but I did love your text. Bro, they're playing the Hawks. We can take one off. <laughs> no, no respect for the Atlanta Hawks. Hey, hold on. And rightfully so. The Hawks were up in this game. I know. They were up pretty big. 119-101. And the Raptors played, like, what, eight guys? Like, they have no yeah, they players. Had nine, they had nine guys. <laughs> so, good. It was, a good, it was a good choice by you. It was a good call by you. Hey, I, I'm good for one a week. So, luckily, it's <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> and I made that call on, what, like, Tuesday or something? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah we can do the podcast. But... We could do the podcast on Thursday and wrap up everything that happens on deadline day. And instead of doing a Raptors Hawks post game show, I think we made the right choice. Yeah, we knew the I Raptors so. were going to smash the Hawks. Big time win for the Raps. Mind you, big time day in the NBA trade deadline. And we got you all covered. So we meet your podcast needs. We got you covered. We do the job as we always do here on the On Blast Podcast Network, right? Absolutely. Another great week in the books. Now we've got our eyes set on the playoffs. We're going to see what happens, how this shakes out. We're going to see all of our, all these new players in their new uniforms over the next couple of days. I believe we've got a 3.30 Lakers-Sixers game on Sunday. So there's no more football, but it doesn't mean that Philly is still not in the house. Woo! Lots of basketball, lots of big-time matchups now that football's gone. you got big-time Saturday night matchups, big-time Thursday night matchups, big-time Sunday afternoon matchups. The NBA is kicking into high gear, and it's just in time. So much fun. Again, thanks for tuning in to the Ball on Blast podcast, which we do each and every week where we talk about the biggest topics in the NBA. Also, you can find us on the Wrap It Up podcast, which is live on Twitter, at Shell Alexander, following each and every Toronto Raptor game, or at least... 99% of Raptor games, right? You can find that podcast there and just search everything on Blast Podcast, wherever you get your podcast, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, even on YouTube. We got videos up there for sure. We take little bits and pieces and put those videos up on YouTube. Thank you guys all for supporting the movement of all these podcasts because we do it all for you, the people, to interact and discuss this game that we all love, which is... The NBA, the game of basketball.
Webby. People want to hit you up and talk some trash to your Sixers. Where can they hit you up? Very easy. On Instagram and on Twitter, it's the same. At a Webster 84 And uh, just ready to watch a little Tobias Harris. Hey. And again, my name is Sheldon Alexander. And I used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. This is the Ball on Blast podcast. As always, unpolished and unapologetic. Until next time, see ya. Peace. This is Ball on Blast, part of the On Blast Podcast Network. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, and YouTube. If you like it, then subscribe and tell your friends. Holla. Boom, blast.